Hello and welcome to the Classic Gamers Guild Water Cooler. This is going to be a separate segment from our regular show in which Paula and I are going to talk about more off-topic discussions uh, that stray away from the video game topics that we normally cover and go into just basically the stuff that we usually shoot the shit about when the when the mics aren't recording. Yes, we have lots to say on most things. That's a good way to put it, I suppose. We have things to say about things. If that doesn't reel them in by the truckload, I don't know what will. That's a teaser right there. <laughs> so this is kind of a um, a pilot of sorts. I don't really know exactly what we're going to do with this. I imagine one way or another, we're just going to do one of these every once in a while, whenever we feel like it, whenever we feel like, you know, strongly enough to talk about something or think something would be fun. Uh, I haven't decided yet if this is going to eventually be a Patreon only thing. That was the original intent. I was trying to think of, you know, what we could do to, you know, reward the Patreon supporters. But then I realized if I ever, if I do that, then that just means that no one's going to ever hear these. <laughs> uh, so we're, we're, it's kind of in limbo. At any rate, the first few episodes are going to be for everybody. And then we're going to decide what to do from there. So enjoy it. Possibly while it lasts, which could be up to and including forever, but I don't know. I'm twirling my mustache in an evil fashion. Am I supposed <laughs> to say something? <laughs> I I was hoping that you were going to say something and you let me down. <laughs> As opposed to bringing self-awareness to the moment and making it something I have to edit later. You yes. dick. Yeah, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> We got you twirling a mustache, and now I can only picture you with a twirly mustache. It's in a very sinister fashion, I assure you. All right. So um, to kick things off, we're going to be talking about Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. We have already lost everybody. <laughs> that was a test. If you stuck around, you will be rewarded. I heard you. You you weren't even close to your mic when you started that sentence. Even you were turning around and walking away. <laughs> You're, you're locked in on this. We are in on this together. You can't just <laughs> leave. Just... All right, boys and girls, you know that, that series that you love so dearly? Well, we're going to talk about the one time it was shit. <laughs> <laughs> None of those great highlights, those iconic scenes, memorable catchphrases. No, we're going to give you oh, a pile of shit. There's iconic scenes, all right. There's some iconic scenes in this movie. <laughs> um. But, spoilers, it actually wasn't as bad as I remember it. That doesn't mean I like it now. Let's get that straight right away. It does not mean I like yeah, this movie. I'm just saying... It's very conditional. Yes. It just wasn't a good movie. It just wasn't. Uh, you're, you're, <laughs> and I think everyone knew that, obviously, because, you know, you, you don't need to pick apart why something might not be great. You just sort of watch it and you're like, oh, I didn't like that. That wasn't good. And I think everyone started to, like, wanting to justify why they felt that way. Why was that not good? So they went back and they thought about all the reasons that they could bring up to tear it down. And I think some of them aren't really all that valid. Uh, I think some of them are very valid, but not all of them. I think some people were just trying to find a way to criticize the movie, which it deserved. It deserved criticism. Uh, I just think that some things, some arguments that people bring up might not be the most fair. There's a few things that the movie did well. Let's put it that way. 
Right, and so basically we're going to try and, and right some wrongs and, and explain how certain things maybe aren't so bad, but do keep in mind we acknowledge the film is shit at its core. So yeah. we're just trying to say it's a little bit less shit than you might think. It, it's For me, kind of kind of like what, what you're saying, Rick, is it's like going back to the film after the disappointment of the refrigerator scene and, and the monkey LaBeouf action, um, as sexy as it was, <laughs> it's the last term to come to mind when I think of that. But anyway, it, once you once you experience the disappoint, the crushing disappointment of oh my god, I love indie. What have they done? And and you let that settle, let it stew in a crockpot for say four to six years, and then you go back and watch it. it it's not that bad because like you know the refrigerator seems ridiculous, so you don't kind of like harp on it for the rest of the film, like. You know, it, it it doesn't affect the movie as much as I thought it would. Mm -hmm. The the refrigerator scene, just for I guess my first example, like it's it yes, it's it's totally ridiculous. It's oddly stolen from Back to the Future when they decided not to use it. Um, look it up. That's true. Rick backed me on it. I think didn't you? Yes, from what I understand, Thank you, mate. I I can't remember exactly what my source was, but I just feel like it's kind of out there that that was a thing. We have some CD sources. We can't really talk about them on air, but we know these things um, <laughs> mostly because of Google. But anyway, the, you know, once it, the refrigerator scene doesn't affect like the plot of the movie, so it's not a crisis. It's not like the worst thing ever. It's ridiculous. It shouldn't be in the film. Again, we're going to talk nice about it, but we acknowledge it's overall shit. Well, let's but, just like, start with know, that. Once... Since the movie starts with that, let's just start with that because that was kind of the end of the first act, pretty much. Um, was Indy in the fridge. And honestly, you know, it, it was, yeah, everyone hates that scene and uh, there's good reason for it generally, but I didn't think, the second time I saw it, I didn't think it was as bad as the first time I saw it. Granted, it was still bad because, um, you know, I, we're going to be talking about this particular topic a lot, um, suspension of disbelief. Because this is a movie that really, really tries to push its luck with suspension of disbelief. And there's going to be a few hits and a few misses, but uh, that's what it really comes down to. Because you know, the original trilogy, at least one in three, uh, Raiders and Last Crusade, as fantastic as they could be, as exaggerated as they could be, as action movie-ish as they could be, ridiculous, silly, over the top, that sort of thing. Uh, I found like you know they're true the true art of those movies is how they still manage to stay within a reasonable uh, suspension of disbelief. There might be a couple of stretches, but it always stayed on this side of the border of that. Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull tried too hard to walk the line, and sometimes they fell onto the other side. Yes, no, that's really well put. It, it, it's kind of like um, an Icarus uh, flew too close to the sun situation. It played it too too fast and loose with um, with with that that anchor into reality. Because as you said, it, it, the I think the, or alluded to the idea of Indy is is that he's he's real or, or it could be real. You know, it's it's based in grounded in reality. Obviously, mm -hmm. you know, it goes a little far with. Um, a heart coming out of a chest, um, the arc melting faces. Uh, I just want to say each of the three films did have that, that, um, 
you know that one little element that that's unearthly or whatever for fantasy's sake but but for the journey itself you know things that indy did he did it in a realistic manner and that that's kind of the charm behind him is having to find his way out of situations as any person would or charm his way out so when you bring in unrealistic things like the refrigerator scene it, it kind of shocks you out of what you thought you knew about the person Mm-hmm. And for indie, that's really right, kind of dangerous because the films have been out for so long with such a diehard film base. It was like, like an ice ball to the ear, like getting slapped in the face by a cold fish. When you see, uh, yeah, when you see the the fridge scene. But you know, as you said, and I agree to the second time, it's. I think it's a combination of like you know it's you know it's coming. You're already just over that that scene is just whatever. But you know, it doesn't affect the plot. The movie does pick up and move on from there. So it's just, you know, the second time around, you just kind of get through it. Yeah, it was just, it was a little too demanding, number one. But number two, I think even then I would have kind of, I I might have, I can't say if I would or wouldn't have. It might have just towed the line of suspension of disbelief until they also threw in uh, the fridge, like soaring through the air for a number of miles before crashing onto the ground and tumbling and then he was okay. It's like, you know, already soaring through the air and tumbling on any scenario is going to be like kind of a stretch of the suspension of disbelief, but forgivable. Um, hiding in a lead-based fridge and surviving a nuclear strike, uh, a little closer to the line, but maybe I could have forgiven him. But you put the two together and it was just, no, that I can't, that doesn't work in my head. <laughs> well, for, for me, I, I could forgive all of that. It was just those moments, those little meerkat things that showed up when he gets out of the fridge. That's yeah. when I drew the line. That well, was enough. They've appeared a couple times and already I was kind of like, why, why, why are they doing this? Like they're, they're, all they're doing is saying, yeah, we, we suck. Like, <laughs> hey, guess what? <laughs> you know, that tone of the movie that you liked in the first three, we don't have that. We have like funny gophers, CG gophers for no reason except to just let you know hey guys this is going to suck like they they felt like advanced warning okay just so you know what you're getting into here's some cgi gophers for no reason yeah no it it, it was reminding me of like like just silly slapstick cartoons where like an, an a-bomb would go off and a cockroach would put on a pair of sunglasses and look <laughs> at the camera cheekily <laughs> that, yeah no, that's basically it um and already you could tell because like already i could tell you know, how, do, how does Raiders of the Lost Ark start? It's with the, uh, you know, he goes to the temple, the boulder falls, you know, he's after he steals the idol, that sort of thing. Uh, the second one, a little bit campier, but he's in that, um, he's in that ballroom or whatever, and he's like trying to get that antidote or something while the dancers kick it around. You, you know, you could tell it's going to be a sillier movie. You get um, Last Crusade where it takes it, does a silly back just a little bit, but still kind of has a little bit of camp to it um but you know the whole running through the train scene uh which is great i love that scene i know you've got a few things to say about that later but uh that that, those are the first three intro scenes in the series and then you go to the kingdom of the crystal skull and it's like well here's a 1950s jalopy car chase that leads to nothing it's like <laughs> what like i didn't understand like you know they kind of it happens and it's kind of fun while it's happening just to see like oh cool period um that's neat you know they're having a little fun little 1950s jalopy almost like a drag race kind of thing and at some point the cards that you know the car the with the um crazy teens just like drives off as the military cars go into the area 51 base and it's like 
what was that for? Like, what did that mean? Anything? And it just already sets the tone of like, this movie doesn't know what it's going to do in the next scene. This just is just going, this is like the cinematic equivalent of an improv. Yeah. That's a great way of putting it. It's, it's, it did, it seemed oddly out of touch. Like it just seemed like from the direction to the writing, everything just seemed like an older person's view on what's cool. And, what I'm trying to say is like they they oversold the greaser that era. These are what the cars look like. This is what the music looked like. The girl with the the cherry red lipstick. You know, <laughs> like like I, I get it. You didn't have to spend like seven minutes selling us that it's the '50s. Like we don't do that in film anymore. It's totally we we can move pretty quick. You know, we we can catch on to these things and keep moving. It was really strange, and it, and you know, just the whole film had really strange pacing issues and, and yeah. scenes like that are part of it yeah that's definitely a huge part of it I, I would also say that the you know there's always been a debate amongst um you know i see on message boards and even amongst um, some of my friends where it does it does the movie feel like an indiana jones movie and i've always been very firmly on the no camp um there are the people who say yes it feels like an indiana jones movie and i eventually sort of thought about it and sort of thought okay well I guess it kind of feels more like Temple of Doom than anything, but even then Temple of Doom is cooler. But if if it's going to feel like anything, it would probably be that because it's a little sillier and campier. But I also noticed this time that I think a lot of the a lot of reason why I didn't think it felt like Indiana Jones was because it was set in the 50s and therefore the 50s are going to have a very mm-hmm. different feel from um, the movies taking place in the 30s. So they did do well to capture that feel of the 50s as we perceive them um whether it's an exaggeration or not but you know we do kind of feel that that's sort of like that um uh can't think of any good example but it it hits that stereotypical view of the 50s and matches that tone you know it's they it really did i think they struggled with how to deal with an older indiana jones because for me on topic of the 50s there was like a continuity issue where everything moved on and there wasn't one thing, like there wasn't one relic of of old indie for for fans that love the trilogy for us to to kind of cling on to in the film. At least the first half of the film. Um, we'll get to the the rest in a minute. But like you know, like you said, going going from the thirties to the fifties. Like I don't, I'm not sure they knew how to handle an older Indiana Jones. So like, all right, well. You know, we can't keep him in the 30s, so let's just show show people what it's like if he goes on one more adventure nowadays. And that's well and good, but there's something about the fact that it was in the 50s. Not, not to, I have like anything against that era, but like they just oversold that it was in the 50s to me so much. Like every, mm-hmm. everything from that Greaser scene, car scene we talked about to Shia LaBeouf's name being Mutt. <laughs> and and like the the classic um, greaser versus jock scene in the diner where, where LaBeouf and, and a bunch of cool kids with you know leather leather jackets getting getting to fisticuffs or whatever, um, you know even even the old <laughs> using rugged... the word fisticuffs, yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> strategically placed. I had my thesaurus out for that. Um, <laughs> I mean even even the old you know kind of rugged old school Harley or Indian or whatever is in the film. I just think they really oversold the shit out of the fifties, and and Indy kind of gets lost in. Like I feel like the old guy in Indy's body in that film, where everything's just moving fast and everything's too damn loud and confusing. Like it, 
<laughs> I, yeah. I don't know. There wasn't maybe enough emphasis on Indiana himself. Maybe that's because of, of Mutt being in the film and sharing the limelight and this or that. But yeah, there's just, to me, there's a big issue with, with the error and, and Indiana. I can't put my finger mm-hmm. on what they did wrong. Um, one of the other things that I hear criticized a fair bit is the fact that it deals with aliens. And I have nothing... I never thought of it before because I never had anything against the fact that it was aliens. Uh, I still don't really. But as I was watching it, something still kind of, I wouldn't say it didn't sit right. It was more just sort of like, I'm watching it. I was sort of thinking, I have nothing against it being aliens in theory. But at the same time, um, aliens doesn't really feel like an Indiana Jones kind of topic. If that makes sense, it's like yeah, you know, we mm-hmm. had the the um the Ark of the Covenant, uh the stones of something that glow and burn your hands, and uh, the uh, Holy Grail, and uh, the fate of Atlantis with oracalcum beads, and it just felt like uh, Indiana Jones adventures have always been a, a bit more unique, uh, and I I think like the Holy Grail is kind of the the only thing that just was maybe done a couple times before them. But they've always generally just been like, well, here's a unique adventure. Here's what you don't get to see everywhere else. And then it's like aliens. Mm. <laughs> and, and yeah, and again, I don't I, I don't necessarily have anything against aliens, especially in the 50s when there's like the whole big deal about aliens. But I think there's a lot of people who just didn't want it to be about aliens. Like it's a sort of that's not what Indiana Jones really feels like it should be about. And that's kind of that, that. I'm trying to be on the fence about this because I don't hate the fact that it's aliens, but I do recognize that there's going to be people who can't get past that it's aliens. Right. Yeah. I know. I mean, I, I basically share your sentiment in the fact that I didn't notice it didn't become a, a kind of air quote, like in inverted commas, uh, problem for me until I heard other people complaining about it. And then I was like, well, you know, actually, I could, I could actually find, I, I get it. And, but when I left the, the, you know, the theater, when I saw it, I should say, I, I didn't walk away saying, damn, there shouldn't have been aliens. But but in hindsight, it, you know, it, it, I guess to put it simply, it was just, it was lazy writing, in my opinion. Yes. Like you, like you said, Indy's like, a lot of his adventures were always kind of based on, on, on relics and artifacts, um, obviously for, for what he, he does for a living. And, and this... What I said in the beginning of the episode, they lost touch, too much touch with reality. Like, like yes, there's been things in the first three films that were unreal. Unreal, I'll just say that much. Like, you know, the still beating heart in the chest and Temple of Doom, etc. But like, everything else about the those films was was basically believable. And and they just like every time they they just kept chipping away at reality in this film. Like starting with the refrigerator, um basically from that working to the fact that it, it bounced like a ragdoll a million times. Yeah. <laughs> like a bad F1 crash. I mean, the, the, you know, it's kind of one punch after the other uh, to the, the monkeys and the ants, which we'll get to. There was just so many parts of this film took you farther and farther away from thinking that Indy was like, you know, kind of a real guy, like not to be cheesy, but you know, looking at him as a character, you try and imagine, you know, he's, he's created in an archetype of things that can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe with just a little bit of fantasy, but, but, you know, the aliens part does take that 
you know, it brings the adventure to him instead of him going after it. It just does. I don't know. It, it's kind of weird. It's easy to see why people don't like it. I can't say it really affected me the first time, but at the same time, I, I just thought the film was shit. So, <laughs> so looking back, looking back on hearing other people's critiques, like this alien one, that's not a, you know wasn't original to me. I, I heard about it, then thought about it, then kind of jumped on the bandwagon. It, it's really all just the the kind of quest to putting together the pieces of why it was shit. Um, yeah. So you know, kind of blaming myself for not noticing that 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 was a problem the first time because you know. That's why I kind of I'm kind of on the same page as you, but if not just a little leaning, uh, leaning a little heavier on the other side, just because it's like, it didn't it technically didn't bother me, but I so get why it would that now it's begun to bother me. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I kind of agree with that too. Uh, but again, I I don't want it to, I don't want to reflect that it bothers me just because it didn't bother me the first time. If it didn't bother me the first time, then I'm not going to go like in hindsight say like, oh, by the way, ten years later, um. So uh, I'll forgive it, the aliens. I, I'm just I recognize why people don't like it. I think that I still think that they could have done it and done it well. Uh, not that they did, but they could have. <laughs> so uh, I just I I think that it wasn't an issue about the aliens. They just didn't do it well. Uh, and I think that a lot of those people who complain about it being aliens, I think they're just they're, they're basically just upset that it wasn't done well. I they probably. A lot of those people are probably willing to change their mind if it was done really well and it just didn't. Yeah, yeah. So I went into this movie this time hating it. I was like, I had the notepad ready uh, with a pen. And I was like, okay, I'm totally going to go through this and pick apart everything that I find wrong. And honestly, I only had like about three or four notes that was actually really bad. Um, even right. the even the opening race was more kind of like, it's, it's harmless. It's fine. Whatever. Mm -hmm. I just, um, it just was more of an indicator that this movie that you're going to watch is not that well thought through. Um, but in and of itself, yeah, whatever. It was kind of a charming little scene. Again, there's the Indian in the fridge. There's Shia swinging with the monkeys through the trees. That was just horrible. We'll get to that, I'm sure, later. Um, there's a, probably a few other things, but there's a lot of things that they did really kind of well that people don't give it credit for because it's not really iconic scenes that you can really point to say that was done really well. But when I was jotting down notes, there's a lot of things I actually had that was positive. There's like, um, for instance, mm -hmm. uh, it's very well known that exposition scenes are really difficult to pull off in an interesting way because you got to find a way to make uh, just bland dialogue interesting, either by not making the dialogue bland, like Tar that's what Tarantino does really well, is just turning the dialogue into an entertaining segment in and of itself. Um you get people who throw in a little bit of conflict in amongst dialogue scenes. Uh, I, I guess one of the better examples I can think of in that is uh, American Pie, when the guy is stuck in the toilet in the ladies' room uh, while the girls are, you know, gossiping amongst each other. That's a really well done scene. Uh, here, in this movie, there's um, the exposition scene is in the diner where they're uh, where Mutt is talking to Indy. And even if it's just the little subtle things just to keep it entertaining, it's still them just sitting in a diner talking and giving each other information. But you'll, you'll see the little things like uh, Mutt reaches over to the next table and dips his comb into the guy's Coke and starts combing his hair. <laughs> and uh, the, or especially even more so the scene where uh, the server comes to their table to serve the beers. And then uh, Mutt just sort of like casually without even looking, just casually reaches over, takes a beer off her tray and puts it onto his uh Onto the table, and without missing a beat, 
still making eye contact. Indiana Jones just as nonchalantly picks up the beer bottle and puts it back onto her tray. And it's just like a, a really cool moment that sort of like keeps the uh, keeps the scene interesting and fun. I thought that 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 scene doesn't get enough credit for actually being a really fun little scene, uh, especially for an exposition scene. Yeah, no, that that, that was a really good scene, and uh, that scene in particular was uh, kind of uh, beginning to solidify the chemistry between um, Indy and Mutt, or between Harrison and, and Shia, which is kind of to my next point was underrated. I thought that they were really really good together. Um, you know, I I liked. Indy having to deal with possibly a kind of version of his younger self, you know, mm-hmm. out, outgoing, dangerous, uh, caution to the wind, cavalier attitude uh, as a more on the professor side of age. Um, it, that, that was cool having him have to deal with how he probably used to be. Um, and, and obviously not knowing that that's his, his son. I think that was done really well. I, I, I think, um, well, before I get into the acting and stuff, I, I, I gotta say I, I, two things that really stood out. One was the, the the sword fight scene in the vehicles uh, in mm-hmm. the jungle now the monkey part kind of ruins that whole thing because it's it's just when shia labeouf does his spider-man interpretation with their monkeys it's, it's ridiculous it should have like benny hill music on it but, but the <laughs> fight scene <laughs> the fight scene was really i thought it was really cool it, it's maybe odd to point that out you know it's just another kind of fight scene um, in an, in another movie that has them, but what was cool is it really reminded me of the old like Last Crusade Raiders horseback fighting scenes. Um, right. But they but it, because it was in the fifties now they had to do it on on automobiles and it, there was just something kind of cool about about as far as taking it from the thirties to the fifties that was one of the best parts the, the time they'd done it the best in that film was was showing how an old school sword fight scene would would carry out in the day of motor vehicles I thought that was really neat. Mm-hmm. And um, and then I also thought that, that and I, I, you know, you could argue they probably didn't have a choice, but I liked how self-aware they were about Indy's age. Right. Um, there's a, a, a funny, if not kind of charming bit in the beginning where he, he uh, throws the, you know, swings the whip at, at a beam on the ceiling and misses it or something. And, and he's like, oh, I thought that, you know, I thought that was closer. Oh, no, he, um, uh, he, um, uh, he whips and tries to swing onto the car, but it, uh, he doesn't quite make it and swings backwards into the other car. <laughs> That's right, and yeah. that was extra well done. That they they kind of out of the Family Guy book, they they let it linger an extra few seconds with the swing back. Yeah, um, she adds the humiliation factor. That was really well done, and you know, again, they probably didn't have a chance. I mean, Christ, Harrison Ford, he's really fucking old. He's like eighty-one years old or something, isn't he? Uh, I don't I don't even know anymore. I lost count. I can't count that high enough to count his age. Um, yeah, yeah. And, you know, point is when the film was made, he he was an older guy that you know they didn't have a, a choice, but then making himself aware. That was probably the biggest moment in the film. They they done that, but there were little parts of the film where he acknowledged his age, and I thought that was that was really cool because if they if they chose to try and force it or make him some sort of superhero, you know, defying age and gravity, still it would have been even harder to take. So I I like yeah. that they aged him. Well, going back to the um, to the sword fight just for a second there, just to throw in my little two cents, is the um, when I first saw it, I hated that scene, and I fully expected to go into it hating it this time, and I think a lot of it was just because they did that whole little um, you know, uh, it was necessary, but they did the whole oh I learned how to fence, and I'm really good at it, but I think it's stupid because it's never going to come in handy, and then of course later on he gets into a sword fight, so I kind of like thought like ah. Uh, of course, that was stupid. But then, you know, when I watched it this time, it wasn't nearly as bad just because it's sort of like, well, that's what movies do. They establish something that's going to happen later. And it was like, well, at least they gave uh, Mutt 
some aspect of him that's kind of cool. Because at least he's got yeah. that. Yeah, Indy's got his whip. Shia's got his sword. Or sorry, Mutt's got his sword. Uh, and again, going back to further to your point that you brought up earlier, it's like, I didn't think Shia LaBeouf did a bad job uh, this time watching it. I thought he was actually pretty good. I think that just at that point, we just didn't want Shia. And I think that's why we don't like Shia is because we don't like Shia. I think Mutt was a good addition and I think he did it well. I think it was a, it was a good performance. He did fine. I just think that the name attached to it and, you know, he's got a bit of a punchable face, but um, I, I think otherwise he's, uh, there, I, I didn't have criticisms for him. I thought I was totally going to tear him apart, but I didn't. No, I, I agree. Like when I first saw the film, I didn't notice his acting, which is a good sign. Um, Cause if anything, it, it shouldn't, you know just don't be bad basically but yeah. when i watched it the second the second time I, th I thought it was it was straight up good i mean i thought he did a really good job um to the point where you know when i asked myself why i i kind of ag agreed with not sort of liking him the first time i think it was i think i didn't like mutt the first time i didn't like the idea not even how it was uh seen through in the film which is, is surprisingly quite well but but I don't think I kind of rejected the premise of of this obnoxious kid sharing screen time with Indiana Jones when we finally got a new Indiana Jones movie. Yeah, it's true. That's also really you know. True. So it's almost like uh, you know, unless that unless it was like the, the greatest casting ever and the person just fucking killed it, I, I think anyone was was going to be a little upset. And then Shia just happened to have I don't know. I guess maybe an oddly punchable face, as you said. Like mm -hmm. there's just something about him that that rubs salt in the wound. It's like first of all, we don't want this to be a movie about some kid we wanted to be about Indy, and then they make it a, an actor that people are, are oddly kind of weird about um you know i don't know enough about him to defend him or, or not who he, maybe he's done terrible things i have no idea but just from the film his actual acting you know it was, it was totally fine and again it, that's why this film is better the second time because everything you hate about it the first time if that did include indiana sharing screen time with, with this Mutt character, the, the second time I watched it, I was like, this is crucial. Without Mutt, there's there's not really a, a fourth film because Harrison Ford is bloody old in it. And previously, I had quickly looked up his age. I, I, I kind of, you know, crapped on him a bit by saying 81. He, he's 76 now. Um, so he was about 65 when he filmed this. Well, well old enough is my point. Um, yeah. And, you know, if you stay too much on the professor side of indie, it's, well, it's just not indie anymore. It's like professor, it's it's more boring. So you needed like a younger protagonist, like a go-getter. They tied him into indie really well. And I guess what I'm trying to say is when you watch it the second time, that becomes maybe the best part of the film. Yeah. I, I'm not sure about necessarily the best, but it definitely is like the point of the story. So you take that out. I, I guess that's kind of, what people want was a different story, but uh, the story that they <laughs> wanted to tell, uh, it was fine. I don't know. I, like I said, I, I wanted so hard to just tear it up, tear um, the whole Mutt storyline of new asshole. And I just couldn't, it was like, no, they, given that this is the story they wanted to tell and we all kind of wanted a different story, but uh, no, they, they did what they set out to do. It was fine. Nothing wrong with that. We just wish it was different. There's one scene that actually kind of really, this was a scene that perfectly towed a line for me. Mileage will vary for different people. Uh, but this was kind of like the forgivable, like just just a quick step on the wrong side of suspension of disbelief, but just enough to still be forgivable. It's a scene where there's like this one tribal native, or I don't know what to, how to describe him, some person shooting a poison darts at them. And um, 
they get past this by like waiting for him to emerge. He sees uh, Shia, so he's going to he's you know taking aim with his blowgun, and then um and then Indiana Jones pops up onto the other side of the blowgun and then blows the blow dart back into the other guy's mouth. And if you stop to think about it, that wouldn't work because you know the dart faces one way, so it wouldn't jab into the guy if it fired backwards. But it was still just like a fun scene that was kind of cleverly done. And that that was I, I was okay with that. I I kind of forgave it. I was like, okay, that, that wouldn't have worked, but that was such a just a entertaining little solution to this problem that I'll let it go. Right. Yeah, and that's that's a good example of, of like the the, uh, the wiggle room expected and allowed in an Indiana Jones film is is you were kind of begging the question earlier as far as like uh being too silly or not, like watching the films you know, throughout the different the years, and I feel like that—that's like you know, Indy always has, uh, like when he shot the guy in Raiders, like this uh, instead of a sword fight. There's always a, he's kind of quippy as a character, so that stuff fits really well. Another little, uh, another little sign, uh, and this is one that got me. I think this is probably my next to the monkeys, probably my least favorite part of the movie is the uh, just for the fact that it exemplifies how lazy the writing is, and um, you know, t- take for example. Last Crusade, which is actually my personal favorite, and I believe you mentioned that it was yours too. Um, yes. There's a scene where um, there, there's a there's a guy in a fighter plane chasing down and shooting at uh, at Indiana Jones and his dad, Sean Connery, and <laughs> not that Sean Connery's his dad, but you know what I mean, Henry Henry Jones Senior. <laughs> so the, they're trying to get away from this um, from this plane that's trying to shoot them down. Obviously obvious tactical advantage india doesn't even have bullets in his gun so henry senior sees this flock of seagulls uh sitting on the ground nearby so he gets his umbrella uh runs up to the seagulls you know flapping his umbrella making a funny noise to like sort of startle them and so they fly up into the air creating like a cloud of birds that the plane crashes into gums up its uh motor and he crashes into the rocks and i have zero issues with that scene i think that was a brilliant scene i think that was an awesome hilarious solution to their problem uh and it was it takes a little bit of suspension of disbelief but that suspension of disbelief is effortless because you see cause and effect he chases the he startles the seagulls the seagulls fly into the air the airplane is in the air airplane hits seagulls airplane crashes it's step by step we work with its logic. We we meet the movie at its logic. Right, right. Then you have Crystal Skull, where uh, they establish a tidal wave of carnivorous ants just flowing everywhere. And uh, John Hurt falls onto the ground as this like wave of killer ants are coming towards him. And he pulls out the skull, and they're like, okay, and they just go around him. And that's it. That was the solution was just now the skull repels ants <laughs> because we couldn't think of anything else. So here you go. Skull equals no ants. It's just like there, there's no, yeah, it's just so lazy. It's just that there's no, they didn't do anything to establish it earlier. Even if they did establish it, it would only be like a little bit lazier than it was. It's just, there's no, the Ark of the Covenant had the ability of killing everyone that laid eyes upon it. Uh, the stones, I guess, grew hot if you chanted the words. The the Holy Grail gave you eternal life if you drank from it. The The power of the crystal skull is plot armor. 
Yeah, it just gets you out of any situation that the script came up with that the the writers were too lazy to write you out of. So they're just like, they survive because skull. Right, yeah, insect repellent. Crystal skull is insect repellent. (laughs) That's its great almighty power. No, you're right. Those are the the weakest points of the film and any filmmakers when like the the character acts like he he knows something that you don't know but like he shouldn't know that like like for him to know that that would be enough to scare the ants away and you don't know that like there's no scene showing you know some example or him being taught that he just confidently wields it and they go around it as he knew they would you look at it and you're like i know that you know that that wasn't gonna that, that you didn't know if that was gonna work or not but, but you just you just done it with this yeah. confidence like i wish they just made him nervous about it like just something like that to make it more palatable like make him Even do it then. as this last ditch yeah. maybe it'll work i don't know like it's gonna be shit either way as you i think yes. about to say even exactly. then it's even then it's just it's horrible but it'd be at least a little better than than the confidence of like you know, this thing that I know you know I don't know. I don't know how to say that. No, Forget I, it. We'll and you know on. what? I actually remember the scene a little bit incorrectly because the first time I saw it, I thought what happened. And I still hated it. Don't get me wrong. This is like one of my worst, one of my least favorite parts of the whole movie just for how lazy it is. Um, the first time I saw it, I thought he actually like uh, fell over and then the skull just fell out. And then the answer like, oh, nope, we don't want any part of that. So when I saw it again... <laughs> And he was a sort of like, oh, your ants? Well, guess what? Skull! It's like, okay, now that just got much worse because he knew about it. But uh, even even when it was sort of like I thought it was accidental, which is kind of like the most you can really work out of the scene, I still hated it. It was dumb. It was just sort of, it was just lazy. It was just, I hate lazy worse than I hate bad, you know? Right. It was, it's like, you know, you created this character you created the world it's in you created the ants you can create anything you want to get him out of that situation but instead you're like oh i wrote myself into a corner let's just hold up the skull Mm -hmm. like fuck mate how much of a hurry were you in it's your own universe you can make shit up and put it in his pocket (laughs) in the studio buy the props you can make up any shit you want and they're just like no we're just gonna blame it on the skull or give it to the skull yeah it's it's frustrating but I guess uh, what we're really trying to sell is that it, it's it's a lot better the second time. So uh, <laughs> it doesn't always sound like that, but no, we are. Um, we we I, it was better just because you kind of you kind of let go. You you know it's not going to reach the high standards. You you go into it hoping for high standards, and then it's sort of like okay, you go into it now, the second time, and you're like okay, I'm I'm totally not expecting this to be good. Let's just see if you can do anything right. And yeah, they do a few things that are okay. Um. Well, at the end of the day, Indiana Jones, I, I got, he became like, he became a superhero to a degree, right? If you kind of stick with me on this and, and he became timeless. And unfortunately, because, you know, he doesn't have like a, a mask like Darth Vader, he's, he's, he's Harrison Ford. Uh, so unfortunately, Harrison Ford got, got old uh, as Bowles. He got well old. Mm-hmm. And so like this iconic vision of who Indy was, I got old too. So why I'm saying that thing that everyone already actually knows is because if you if this episode makes you want to check out the film again, just ask yourself before you do, what would I even want from a 65 year old Indiana Jones? Yeah, because I that's that's how I came around a bit. I'm like, I, and I don't have an answer. I don't know what I want from an old Indiana Jones. Maybe 
maybe Harrison behind a desk teach giving a lecture to his students and, and a younger actor <laughs> portrays his adventure I, I don't you know may, maybe that would have been the the way to go but like no, at the end of the day indie, you can't replace Indiana uh, Jones I'm sorry you that's can't do you, that ex I know I know you can't you can't have an, and that's the, that's I guess the the whole paradox of the situation is Indiana Jones is a bit of like a almost like a Marvel superhero but he's got a human face that's Harrison Ford's and Harrison's mm -hmm. old now you know it, it's just yeah. it, it's like being it's being well, stuck with like it's like having Spider-Man be, be like you know 70 <laughs> and there's no way around it like he yeah. sorry you have to keep making Spider-Man films but he's old as, as bulbs now like it, it's it's weird it's a weird situation for the filmmakers to have been in um which may just have people say maybe just don't not have done it um and I can't agree with that I mean I'm having fun shitting on it so I'm glad it was made. yeah especially when the movie came out right like, and granted that they waited this long for a sequel uh, at the, move, the time the movie came out, they said it was going to be Christmas, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. And even already at that time, people were sort of like, why didn't you just use Fate of Atlantis? And further to your point, I'm sort of like, did you really want Fate of Atlantis with a 65-year-old indie? Like, it, that, wasn't right, gonna, right. that wasn't going to be good. Uh, Fate of Atlantis was great as a game. Uh, that's how it'll always be. It'll be treasured in our minds. And it, it is canon. I've pointed this out several times. It's actually, if you look, if you have the Lost Journal of Indiana Jones, there are a couple of pages in between Last Crusade and Crystal Skull that are dedicated to Fate of Atlantis. So it is fully official canon in the Indy saga. Um, it's there. So yeah, we have uh, Fate of Atlantis already. We didn't need to make it's a movie about yeah. it. Yeah. We didn't need to make a movie about it when Indy was 65. You know, you, you could argue that they should have made one earlier about Atlantis, um, but you can't say, oh, instead of Crystal Skull, you should have made Atlantis because that just that would have you you know you don't want that. Yeah, and, and it's funny because that brings brings me around again to the inevitability of having to work with an older Harrison Ford. Here, here's I'll take it down a quick road. So they're making Indiana Jones five, right? It was just just a few weeks ago. It it was started up again. It's it's been having serious issues getting off the ground, like Crystal Skull, Red Flag, Red Flag. <laughs> but it, it is getting moving. Uh, Indy uh, or Harrison is is now uh, seventy. What I say, seventy six. So that, I mean, that's fucking. I, I would love to live to seventy six, and he's going to be Indiana Jones at seventy six. <laughs> that's gonna. So so what I'm saying is, I completely agree with you. Period. That that making Fate of Atlantis. The time has come and gone. It's it's too late. And, and I, I think the point I've been building up to about his age is that I think it's too late for me to enjoy any Indiana Jones film because he's old. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they just kind of duffed it so bad on, on Crystal Skull that I think that. But, mm -hmm. I mean, let's face it. that You know, he, he's an adventurous. That, that's like the first thing that comes to mind with Indiana Jones is adventure. And mm -hmm. he's 76. So we're not really, uh, you know, all right, let me stay on, on point to you. We're going to get an Indiana Jones 5. It's going to happen. He's going to be old. It's going to be disappointing, if not a little sad. <laughs> that's just that's just how it is. Um, now I'm going to throw a, like a, a kind of hypothetical. You can take it or pass on it. Let me know. So Steven Spielberg has made it made mention before that he would be cool with passing the Indiana torch on um, and and keeping it going. Now before I go further, let me just stop and say I think that's a shit idea, and I, and I don't want him to. Mm -hmm. And and I, I just think the legacy should be left alone, sort of thing. Like I, I, 
I don't, you know, back to that superhero comparison. I, I don't need Indy to just go on forever because he was once great. Like, I can no, take exactly. what we got and be happy with that. You know, it, well right, said, thank you. Yeah. So we're on the same page. And I kind of figure you were too by saying no other actor should play him. Like, I'm on the same page. I don't want Indy to go on. You know, he doesn't get to put on a mask like Spider-Man and, and be Tobey Maguire or Garfield or whatever. Like uh, <laughs> Garfield? <laughs> yeah, I, I shouldn't Mondays. have picked that. Where's my lasagna? <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, I shouldn't have picked him. I should have gone with the Brit. Um, <laughs> uh, who is the best one? But that's a whole other argument or segment. Um, anyway, my, so my point is, is they're going to go forward with this. And I, I don't want them to, is what I'm overselling to you, because it's true. So we know we're on the same page. They're going to make the fifth one. Steven Spielberg wants to pass the character on, which we both don't want him to. But in this, this scenario, we have no choice, which actually is the real scenario as well. <laughs> yeah, we have no say. He's going to whether if he wants to, um, period. So if he he wants to pass the character on, and he specifically said in in a uh, press thing that he would like to pass it on to a female, mm-hmm. um, which you know I I will say it, it, if they're going to is probably the best route because I think it'd be easier to take the legacy continuing in female form than a, and then a, a male because the male would feel like a direct replacement. Yeah, um, as opposed to an evolution. So that being said. What do you think about an adaption? Because, of course, if they take Fate of Atlantis and put it on screen, it's going to be an adaption, right? Look at the Marvel Universe. These are adaptions of the source material. Mm-hmm. Um, you lose a lot. but you So just make some. it about Sophia? It, that's what I'm getting at, is is have Indy go on the journey with Sophia <laughs> like the game. You know, have have the pretty 50-50, maybe 60-40 towards Indy, because that's, you know, the name of the film. Mm-hmm. But, but a lot of Sophia. And then... Uh, you know, she can provide the action scenes because they'd, they'd have, uh, you know... Oh, the other thing you'd have to change or would be creepy is that there's no romance between the two. It'd have to be adapted as, like, a, a mentor sort of situation. you know, well, Or maybe he's stuck with her, a student. Let, 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 me hold, let me cut you off right there and just say, like, you have just completely wasted my time because <laughs> I, I spent a good, like, five minutes there explaining why they should not make Fate of Atlantis and you have just completely turned me around on that. That would be a fantastic idea and I'm fully on board. Oh, cool. Nice. It's hard to get you to, to, to switch sides. So I, I actually am really quite proud right now. That, that is actually a really good way to do it if they're ever going to do it. That's, uh, man, that blows my mind. I, I never thought about that, but that's, no, I, I'd be on board. That, that You just totally, you just totally uh, shut down my entire segment I had there. <laughs> um, sorry, just one last thing. I've, I've been trying to want to get back to this just because, so I could move on it for, um, move on forever just about the lazy writing because there's one more scene there's one more lazy scene and it's when they're like uh you know when they're floating through the water and they come across a waterfall and it's like made this dramatic like oh here's a waterfall and then they fall (laughs) down the first water waterfall they're like okay well they survived that one but look here's an even bigger waterfall and then they fall down that one and they survive with no like no craftiness. No, they didn't do a thing. They didn't have a plan. It was just like, oh, no, here's a waterfall. And they go down and it meant nothing. Like there was no consequence for them going over the waterfall. <laughs> they just they didn't do anything to improve their situation. They just survived and they're just like a little bit wet from it. And it's just like. <laughs> what, what was this like why how did you write this why did you even leave that in if you weren't going to do anything with it they did nothing except go down the waterfall and live now and great now it was mildly damp 
Yeah. <laughs> it's really fun. It, it, it really, that, that's an example why I say I feel like whoever, like everyone who created this, like uh, the, from, from direction and, and Spielberg's end to the writers, I, I feel like they were just so oddly out of touch. Like I feel like they hadn't watched an Indiana Jones film for 20 years and they were going on memory. And they're like, yeah, Indy, Indy kind of has that sort of Parker luck, if you will, like that bad luck. So, you know, like in all the films prior, there's always that scene or two where, where he, you know, grimaces and it's kind of like, oh, my luck, you know, wouldn't you know? Like, you know, that's kind of that hard boiled Indiana shit. So I get it. But then every time they tried it in the, in the skull, as you just highlighted, that's a great example. It doesn't work. Like there was a quirkiness of like, oh, and here comes a second waterfall. Maybe it was just because it was the 80s that it worked. But like that out of touch feeling of, of, I don't know if you want to call it comedy or whatever, just didn't, it was just weird. It was out of touch. I, I just hate I when they think take Spielberg's away- out of touch. Yeah, Spielberg is hit or miss, but he, you know, he's, he makes so many movies, he's going to make a few missteps, but um, I just, I don't know, like I said, I, I just hate when the stakes are taken entirely out of a scene like that, unless it's like, I don't know, I, even then I can still see it done well if they find a way to do it well, but this just was not anything good. It was just, oh no, here's a waterfall, what are they going to do? absolutely nothing they're going to go down the waterfall and they're going to live because we need them to live and we couldn't think of any way to get around this right you know christ i I was watching homeward bound with my son the other days uh uh, the, the great journey wherever it's a bunch of cats and dogs are fucking on the loose one of the the cat ends up in a the river there's a waterfall coming the dog grabs a stick in his mouth and runs into the water to save it so in other words even in a film that's starring actual dogs <laughs> they figured out how to make a waterfall scene more exciting and interactive than fucking indiana jones where like you said they just sit there and take it yeah. like in this film at least a dog got a stick in his mouth and it didn't work the cat fucking got off to whatever but he tried mate oh no he didn't try shit in that film <laughs> and that's why you know there are some scenes that do work a little bit better than expected like when they're in the um I know they said technically it's not quicksand, but I'm just going to say quicksand because I forget what the actual term is. You know, they're sinking into the ground. And um, it was, even that was a pretty fun scene because they kind of just gradually raised the stakes. Like, okay, well, it's not that bad. Then like the the pressure bubble bursts. They're like, okay, now this is going to be really bad. Uh, there's no vines anywhere. We, there's no rope. We got to do something. And uh, sends uh, Shia LaBeouf and, uh, and John Hurt to... to uh, um, I think it says John Hurt to get help sends Shia LaBeouf to get a rope. Uh, so they go off. Shia LaBeouf comes back with a gigantic snake. So now um, you know, he could save Marion, but now it's like, uh, well, Indy's screwed because, you know, he can't bring himself to grab onto a snake. So I thought that was, it, it seems way sillier the first time I saw it. But the second time I thought, no, that was actually kind of a fun, that was kind of a fun scene. And then, you know, spoilers. It turns out after they all survive that ordeal, because uh, Indiana Jones does finally eventually bring himself to grab onto the snake, then it's like John Hurt comes back. It's like, I got help. And it's like all the Russians who are looking for them. <laughs> so that that's another one I wrote down in my notes. Like, I, I like that scene a lot more the second time. I actually like that scene now uh, when I hated it previously. Uh, that, that was just a, yeah, it was just fun, entertaining. Everything kind of made sense within their world. It was, yeah, that was good. That was, I like that one. Yeah, it's it's funny. Uh, like you said, with the the John Hurt and the um the Russian scene, it reminds me of like uh, like what was his name? I think his character was Sala in Last Crusade, where he accidentally loads loads him up on the Nazi truck. 
in other words, it, it was close enough to like just like that is Indiana Jones. Like, it, you know, we we remember them as, as for the most part, you know, an, an adventure, which is you know pretty serious, a little lighthearted here and there. But you know, Indiana Jones, when you revisit them, they're, they're quite silly a lot of times, and and that's to me that's very Spielberg. Like he's got you know he likes to keep things kind of family fun on top of it all. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, those, those parts, like you said, I think the first time I watched it, I didn't like it either. And then I kind of reminded myself, like, that, that's actually indie, though. Like, there's, like, these oddly timed silly parts in all his films, mm-hmm. which I appreciate. So those parts were good, for sure. Um, you know, one thing that, that, that maybe didn't do well, because I've never heard people really talk about it. I mean, there was so much negative that came out about it. I guess you wouldn't hear. But um, but we haven't brought it up yet. So I th- I thought that maybe they could have done more with the fact that they actually brought Marion back. Like that was well cool that they got her back from Raiders, you know, in real time, how many years it had been from, from Raiders to that film, like that they got her back on the cast, Uh, you know, because from what I understand, I mean, from what I loosely understand, she didn't do a whole lot in cinema from Raiders, you know, that (laughs) she kind of on my radar disappeared and and they dug her back up and and she did a great job acting and all that. But I, I thought that was well cool, you know, and, and, makes a fifth Indiana Jones even kind of weirder because that was potentially one nice... If if that was the swan song, the fourth one, then it would have been kind of cool that he ended up with the first girl after all, after being a notorious... Yeah, it was uh, a nice little full circle. Play. I think that was a good little... Uh, that, that was the best way to really kind of wrap that up. Yeah, and I, I, I think to, to manage to bring a character all the way back in, in in the final... Well, not the final, but potentially the final, or what they thought was going to be the final film at the time... Um, I think that would normally be a bigger deal, but I guess there was just mm-hmm. so much wrong with the film it didn't get talked about. But anyway, I just I thought it was cool that Marion came back. Um, and it was you know when you think Crystal Skull, no one really thinks that, even yeah. myself. But but it's a cool fact. So uh, just as we're nearing the end of this episode, do we even want to talk about Shia swinging through the monkeys, or do we want to just like is there stuff we want to talk about otherwise and just not even dignify that? Because I I I'm okay with I'm okay with that. <laughs> Yeah, I'm. I don't. I don't. I can't. I don't have any like analysis on it or any in-depth color commentary. It's just fair enough. Look at it. We're we're just going to point out that Shia LaBeouf swings through the trees with monkeys. That's. I think that's all we need to say. And now moving on. Any final thoughts? Anything else that you uh, want to bring up before we close out Kingdom of the Crystal Skull with the final closure that we're going to give it? Uh, would be probably a, maybe a shared final thought with you perhaps is is the very end uh nearly the end scene with the hat yes go for it and how how well that was done uh, it, it, there's there's a scene for, for those of you need refreshing who haven't seen it where it, uh, after the the wedding at the end uh indy's hat uh i think it blows off and uh shia labeouf picks it up and he's just about to put it on and indy grabs it right back and he's like no i'm not not you son have a try and uh and rick and i were joking previously uh off air about uh, you know maybe maybe that was like a reshoot where <laughs> where the, the first ending shia gets to wear the hat and then steven and all the the crew watch the film and they, they call him back in for a reshoot like yeah never mind <laughs> Wait, sorry. one way or um, another i do feel almost like that that was kind of a uh some sort of like an apology of sorts where they're just kind of like, okay, this didn't work out nearly as well as we thought we did. So d- d- don't worry, guys. We were just kidding about this. 
Yeah, no, that that was that was maybe the best part of the whole film, and 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 I, I loved how Agreed. you know this film this film isn't very smart, like it it doesn't yeah. do most things right, and and the fact that it had it was only self aware twice, it was in knowing Indy's age and and in knowing that we would think that he would give the hat to someone else and he didn't. That was cool because mm -hmm. it's like you know that that film was following such a track where you're like ah. Uh, the hat blows off you know, almost in that moment. I'm like, hey, this guy's going to be the next indie. Fuck on. You know, this is so dodgy. Um, so I thought it was cool. They, they knew we'd think that and they pulled the old switcheroo. Well, mm -hmm. that was one well done part. I guess to close up my opinions on this is just that, you know, my opinion hasn't really changed. So if it does sound like I didn't like the movie very much, that's because I didn't. Uh, but as I said before, it just wasn't as bad as I remember it. And there's a lot of things that it does get credit for. It does have some good moments. It does have some good scenes. The, the, um, the the atmosphere of it was fine for what they wanted to do and we they don't get enough credit for that they wanted to do 50s in your case you think they did a little too much 50s i thought no you know what that was they wanted to go 50s they did 50s it's just that to everybody indiana jones is the 30s and that's why it didn't work but mm -hmm. there's so much that they did that was just sort of you know it's steven spielberg and he knows how to do stuff so, you know, it's like he did that well. He did some scenes really well. He just, you can also tell that a lot of it was 2000s George Lucas, who at that point was not really on top of his game. And I think those are the parts that people kind of really saw. Except actually, sorry, my mistake. Steven Spielberg owned up to uh, the fridge scene being his idea. So he does <laughs> actually take full credit for that. And he said that um, he's actually quite flattered that, it's become so iconic that Indian the fridge has become a term that replaced jumping the shark. <laughs> That's a boss move on his part. Yeah. To step up and be proud of that. Why not to? Yeah. Because it, it is iconic for something. It's a, it's a horrible <laughs> thing to be iconic for, but here we are. All right. I think that wraps up our thoughts. Well, I, I don't, this is our first time doing um, a little water cooler episode. Uh, so I don't know how to end this off. I'm probably not going to say like, comment, and subscribe because we don't do that here, except when we point out that we're not going to do that here. Ah, so are we actually like backhandedly doing that? Shh. Oh, shit. All right. <laughs> um, I will say if, if this was, first of all, this was the pilot. All right, pilots are known to be dodgy. We're, we're working it, we're doing our hardest here. But if anybody wants to, uh, has any ideas for topics they'd like to hear, let us know because we we've we've got some ideas uh, ranging across pop culture from you know this to that example here example B I'm yeah. fucking up the ending mate get me out of here yeah we're 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 willing this is water cooler we're willing to talk about anything off topic you know, if you have any video game suggestions for us too video game topics send that our way but we're talking like anything like we have interests from you know Paul is a music guy he could probably talk about bands and music and songs uh, I, I'm a film guy we're both film guys actually. Uh, I, he Paul really enjoys comics. I enjoy pro wrestling. Throw any topic you want at us, and uh, we'll consider it. You know, there's no there's no wrong answers on this. Just throw us your ideas, and we'll pick what we want to talk about. Exactly, that was well put, nice and clean, and we're done. Mm -hmm.